Hello and welcome to Creator Talk. I've done 87 tests to see if the audio is right, but I broke a girl's heart this morning, so it seems really appropriate to start your own podcast. On this podcast, we're going to be talking all things being a content creator in uh, today's weird short form content world. The problem I always have with talking about TikTok on TikTok is that TikTok is actually a very complex new thing that has spilled over to all of our other social media platforms and has created this new way of interacting and engaging with each other that we didn't have before. As much as you can watch TikTok and learn something in seven seconds, I can't teach you everything that I know about content creation in seven seconds. My goal with the show is to create a space where we break the fourth wall and talk about what it's like being a content creator. Uh, It's kind of like talking about Fight Club. Like, you don't talk about Fight Club. It's kind of like that when you're like a little bit internet famous. Like, you just don't talk about what it's like. I'm very inspired by the podcast by Guy Raz with NPR called How I Built This. And I am always inherently curious, like, how creators got into the work that they do and when things really took off for them and what are the hard parts? What are the fun parts? How do the people around you act about your content? Um, But of course, it's our first episode, so we don't have anybody but me, but it's fine because we're kicking it. There's a cat in here and we're just going to vibe. And always with the show, we're going to start out with a learning segment about content creation. And we're going to talk about my favorite topic today, and that is hooks. Every great TikTok lives and dies in the hook. However, before, if you've consumed like any content creation coaching, you'll be presented with these really like, I don't know if kitschy is a word, but that's the word I'm using, hooks. Like, these are my three tips to get ahead. These are my five most common mistakes. One hook that I used that I went viral with was, let me put you on something. Pretty good, right? However, I hate it when I see people using those hooks. And here's the thing that nobody is saying, but everyone's doing. A silent hook is more important than anything that you say. You're almost inviting your viewers into the video. The next time you're scrolling your phone, notice how there's movement at the beginning of every video that kind of pulls you in. Maybe the creator pulls the camera towards them. Maybe they walk into the shot. Maybe they flip their hair. Maybe they turn their head at you. They're all doing it. It's kind of this unspoken thing that movement at the beginning of a video helps bring that audience in. You have like seconds to hook people. They've decided whether they're going to stay before you even open your mouth. However, (laughs) if it is a talking video, I would almost rather you cut out that kitschy hook and just go into the topic. We don't need to be messing around. (laughs) Like, I just think sometimes it's hard because I have a hard time telling a story like on point and from A to Z, right? So I fix everything in the edit. And that's kind of my solution is like, I'll just cut off the first like 15 seconds of me talking 
before I like really get into the meat of what I'm trying to say. And that's what you need to do. You just need to take people directly into it. This is not public speaking where you're going to introduce the topic, say what you're going to say, say it, and then say what you said. No, (laughs) this is TikTok. We're moving quickly. Your edits need to be tight and you need to take us directly into it. Do not waste time with, hey guys, or I just wanted to come on here and say something. Most of you know if you've been following me, no. You need to assume that every person who comes across your video has literally no idea about you and could not care less. And I say that with all the love in the world. Nobody cares about you when they're consuming content. People consume content to get something. Hooks are important. Keep it simple, you know? A lot of my hooks are just me walking into the shot. Or you can even literally shift from one foot to the other to add movement. Get creative. But the beginning of your video should always have a little bit of subtle movement to hook people. And if it's a talking video, you can do this as well. But if it's a talking video, cut out where you breathe at the beginning. You're losing people with your breathing. (laughs) I'm sorry. That seems so like harsh. I just mean like they need to know immediately. They do not have time to listen to you breathing. They are busy, you know, they're scrolling by. Um, And, you know, as you get more established as a content creator, you have to try less hard. So I have a face that people know. So I have to try less hard to hook people, right? Um, But, you know, back in the day, I was sweating for it. So I'm with you. But so for today's episode, I'm going to go into my history with content creation, how I got started, um, what it's really like, and where I kind of started to really take off. And we're going to have some fun. Uh, Yeah, and my goal is to have like other creators on so we can talk about I will want to interview them and hear. I'm so excited. Um, But my content creation starts uh, with me and I'm sitting in a rocking chair nursing my newborn baby. I have a toddler as well. I'm like a housewife, stay-at-home mom. I feel I'm feeling I'm in this like place where I'm feeling absolutely invisible. It's 2018 and I discover kind of for the first time curly influencers on Instagram, which if you don't know what they are, it's just like Instagram accounts dedicated to teaching you how to take care of curly hair. And so I started getting really obsessed with taking care of my hair and I saw like this influencer who is still a mutual of mine. Her name is Marisa's Curls and I saw her talking on her stories And I was like, I can do this. I could do this. And so I started my account and it was called Curly Girl Sarah. And it's the same account that I still have today. My Instagram, but it's now Sarah Grace Young, uh, sarah.grace.young. Check me out. So I start my Instagram and it's supposed to be a secret. And I just want to tell y'all that Instagram is not good at keeping secrets. (laughs) So... I start this curly girl Instagram and I'm like, I'm just practicing. Nobody even has has this page. But of course, Instagram will tell everyone that you went to second grade with that you started another page. And so then I uh, had, you know, people start following me that I knew. 
And I was like, well, whatever, fuck it. You're already doing it. So I just started creating curly content. Um, but the people, uh, really what they liked most was my stories. And I created curly content for a while, but then I eventually got like bored of it. Like I don't really give my hair that much thought now because I have such a like down pat routine. So once I got bored of curly hair and I also separated, I started going through personal hell. Um, and so I felt this need to like change my platform. I wanted to go in a different direction, but I didn't really know what that direction was. But I remember I was laying in my uh, bed with uh, the bed I, in the house I lived in with my ex and it was like 1030 at night. And I was laying there and I just saw it in my mind, Sarah Grace Young. I knew immediately that the username would be available and I changed it on Instagram and I just felt that sparkle from the universe. And so the last name of Young is a name I created for myself. It's not my married name. It's not my maiden name. It's my name. And I love that so much. Even my own mother knows me as as Young. Then I had no fucking idea what to do next. So I created this video that (laughs) was called trying to explain the curly girl method. And it was literally making fun of the curly girl method and these curly accounts that I had been participating with for so long. But it was in my own, to toot my own horn, it was done in a way that they found funny. And so what happened was this video, okay, this video did not go viral, but at the time it got 5,000 views on Instagram. And that was huge for me then. Now that's kind of a Tuesday. Thank you to those 5,000 people who watch my content. Um, That's like a Tuesday morning, you know, and that's, you know, I'm at a different place now. But that was the first time I like created a video. And then I got like a thousand followers from that. Um, But then I had this experience that I think a lot of creators experience after they have some success. And it's this feeling of, uh, now what? I didn't have any other like funny, (laughs) curly creation. I didn't have any more of those. I didn't know what to do. And then I felt like everyone was staring at me and it was like weird. And I felt all this pressure. And then I started going through like personal hell. So then I started just talking on my stories about what I was going through in a way that kind of omitted the details. However, I will say that I did overshare and that made me feel really exposed and vulnerable at times. And I really went a long way to develop boundaries around sharing on the internet. But my page kind of morphed into talking about my story Um, getting left for another woman and doing all this crazy shit and just coming the way that I've been through it all. Um, But, you know, I never really grew on Instagram that much past that point. I got to like 2,100 followers and then I was just stuck. And every time I posted, I lost followers. (laughs) And like, I just want to say that is rough mentally it's a very common experience on Instagram before reels. I don't think it's still that way, but like it was very common and it was really hard to grow on Instagram. So I'd been doing Instagram content for about a year and a half before I joined TikTok. And 
when I joined TikTok, it was because my manager told me he was like, you would be great on TikTok. And I was like, oh, okay. But of course, I did not have immediate success. (laughs) Like, not at all. My videos were shit. Like, I was good at talking on my Instagram, but I didn't even understand TikTok and what it is. And also, I didn't understand myself at all. I was still identifying as like straight. I'm actually, maybe I was identifying as bisexual, but I was not creating. When I started creating content on TikTok in March of 2020, I was creating content for men, straight men. I was on straight TikTok. If you don't know, um, I am now a lesbian creator, right? So uh, I call it a lesbian character arc, but so anyway, and I continue to have this feeling like, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm just like walking around in the dark with a fucking flashlight, like feeling frustrated. But, you know, looking back now, I was just like figuring it out. I made so many different types of content and until I really found my style and of course finding my style also went along with finding myself like I think I reached about 10k before I started making queer content and that really was my first like level up when I started creating queer content things really changed for me why because I was speaking to an experience that my viewers understood. People come to social media because they want to feel seen. So I start making this queer content and people are resonating. Keep in mind, like, I was posting three times a day and just creating, 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 creating all the time for years. And I still do. I go through breaks, but I love creating TikToks and short form content. But then, you know, kind of the last piece of my content was in the, uh, I started creating queer content and I kind of went, I think I got to like 40K, 50K around that as a queer content creator. And I was misdiagnosed bipolar by a doctor and I made a little bit of bipolar content, but it was never very good because I'm not bipolar. And then I got diagnosed I got a soft autism diagnosis and an ADHD diagnosis. And so it was very natural for me to start creating content about this. But what was so shocking to me was how many people understood me. And I remember so clearly um, when we think about short form content, there's a term that I use called text block. And it's when you see three or four sentences or two or three sentences on a screen with a short clip. Um, If you go to my page, you'll see many, many, many examples of this. It's uh, really one of my main content styles. But I remember my first text block that I wrote that people really resonated with was when you're overstimulated and understimulated, so everything just feels uncomfortable. And there were so many comments of people being like, oh my gosh, I know you really put it into words. And I was like, what? (laughs) You guys get me? Uh, And so that's one, that's the magic of a online community. I love creating content for my audience because 
it makes them feel seen and then it makes me feel seen. And so once I started creating like autism and ADHD content, things really took off for me because I was being myself. I was finally like with the right people who understood me. And, you know, sometimes it still shocks and tickles me to this day when y'all will like resonate with a video I make and I wasn't expecting anyone to. And that has that community has really um, kept me going in hard times. And so I started growing as an autistic uh, ADHD creator, although I'm still a queer content creator. Um, But then my next kind of tier was when I started this shovel series. I think that this is probably what people think of when they think of like my big blow up or whatever. (laughs) And like, that's kind of the joke is like, what? What about a mini shovel? Exactly. Why do you have a mini shovel? I just do. (laughs) For me, um, it's a metaphor about digging up my childhood trauma It's whimsical, but I could hit someone with it, so it makes me feel safe, and it's just a funny bit. It's like talking about hard shit, but she's flipping a shovel around, so it's it's comforting us. I would say if I was to give you a tip about the people who have success on TikTok, like the people who go to a million, the people who go the big leagues, they always have a series, Um, and that's true for me too. I, I had this shovel series, but... Honestly, I quit making those shovel videos because when I moved and I just haven't found a way to make them at my new place that I like. And two, they were actually so hard and time consuming to make. And it's kind of this uh, misconception about content creation that it's like not hard and it is. But, you know, all the while, all of this growth is happening and the shovel series really took me to 100K. Um, which is like a, you know, that's a big tier. That's a big step. You reach 100K, you're an influencer. Nobody disagrees with that, basically. But I would say right when I hit around 10K, people started bringing up my content to me. I remember the first time someone mentioned it at a party. And I had been at parties with the same people all the time since I started creating content. And nobody had ever said anything and then now they're like oh wow you're big on tiktok now (laughs) it's like uh okay um and then i would say like the people around me always start having a problem with what i'm creating with how i'm doing it with how i'm dressing um i just block everyone now but the people around me have not been quiet you know and the only reason I got became successful and got to where I am is because I ignored them. You know, I just was like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I'm going to do what I want. And that's the thing. You're not going to get anywhere making everybody comfortable. Good social media content gets a reaction. If your friends and family are reacting, well, maybe the content is working as it's intended, right? Um, but you know, I wish that there was a moment when I was like, I made it as a content creator, but I still deal with insecurities, um, like anybody else feeling like my content isn't good enough. And there was so much in the meat of like becoming who I am today 
doubting myself like I'm not joking I spent night after night after night after night locked in my room making videos trying to figure out how to make them go trying to figure out how to do what I could see other people doing create successful content right so much practicing so much work like I I've poured years of my life into this into building my brand and when you see someone in social media and you think that they're an overnight success they're not because even like if it looks like that you don't know what they did to practice along the way you know you have no way of knowing all the phases that they went through when you find someone and they're like a popping off influencer who always has comment sections full of fans you're not seeing all the time they spent with nobody but like a random white man in their comments you know nobody remembers all of my shitty videos except for me and like that's probably for the best <laughs> uh, the hardest part of being a content creator for me is the effect on my dating life I think I can't really hide it at this point and I feel it would be dishonest to do so but then I feel like people think that they know me or they feel they're looking for something from me and I am autistic yo like not I'm as autistic as every other autistic person that you met I struggle in my interpersonal relationships and I don't know I just like it makes it hard to have relationships with people when you have a social media following because they can sit on their couch and scroll my shit for hours and think that they know me and they're seeing a part of me but that's not the whole story because it can't be the whole story um and I don't know I think that's sad and sometimes it will make you feel like invisible like people just see that and they don't see like because here's the thing is like my content is my personality life uh and stuff packaged and branded for an audience right like my most successful content is my autistic ADHD content and like I love creating that content and like interacting with my followers and all that stuff but I in my own intrinsic self am different and what has helped me become an internet content creator was creating a separation of like that's Sarah Grace Young and I'm Sarah I'm just Sarah right I'm just me I'm sitting here in my room I love the moon. I love going for walks. I love drinking beer in the sun. Um, I'm the palest person you've ever met and you will find me hanging in the shade putting on SPF 50. I own two black cats. I like to dance. I have trust issues. <laughs> you know, people, humans, we're complex. And we can't really be boiled down to a social media following. So when people think that that's just, uh, that's me, it can feel invisible. Content creation is really a mental sport. Um, and I don't ever feel like I've made it. Like, I am always so thankful for my um, community. But, you know, I think everyone who creates strives to be better. That brings me back to here. 
Uh, I want to talk about a lot of things on this podcast. I particularly want to hear from my non-white counterparts, their experience on the internet and how it differs because I would really like to shed a light on the racism that goes on on TikTok and what we can do as a community to combat it. So that's definitely going to be a goal um, and hopefully we're going to be getting some guests. If not, in the next episode, we're just going to talk more about being a creator. Okay, my last tip for you would be there's a lot of ways to finish a side table. Whatever way you want to do it, is the right way. I'm Sarah Grace Young. Um, Please like this and share it with everyone you know and then leave a five-star review. But when you leave a five-star review, you could just hype yourself up, be like, I'm a queen. Um, (laughs) This is just what I hear the other podcasters doing, so I'm doing it. Uh, Follow me on Instagram and TikTok, maybe YouTube. Oh, I do have one YouTube video. What's up, what's up? And yeah, tune in, you know, whenever I make the next episode. All right. Goodbye. Love you.